Welcome, Nexus Church family, to our series titled Connect Here. Now, it will not take you very long to figure out that this series is all about who we are at Nexus Church. However, I realize many of you who are listening today will not attend Nexus Church at any time. You may live in a different country, different city, different state. But I want you to hold on because I believe that this series is for anybody who calls themselves a follower of Christ. Why? Because the church is not a building. It's not a location. It's not a statement of faith or a bunch of rules that we follow. It is people. You make up God's family, the church. And over the course of these nine weeks, we're going to be covering what God's vision is for you. How do you engage in the church? What is, what is it that he wants for you most? Well, we're going to be looking at the pillars of the church, what really makes up the core of who we are as a body. What should that be? It impacts your life because it's how you engage in ministry. And then we're going to talk about the values of, of what it is that we are as a people. What do we value? How do we carry ourselves? What do we, how do we, and what do we do as a follower of Jesus? And so my hope is that you can follow along over the course of these nine weeks and, and examine yourself. Take a look. What is it that God is speaking to me? And if you're not part of a church, I encourage you to go to a church that has these same values and pillars in their church so that you can be engaged and grow and develop into who Christ has for you. If you have any questions or ways that you want to get a hold of us, you can go to nexuschurchmn.com. You can find all the ways to connect with us there. And I hope that you enjoy today's message. Welcome to our very first week in this nine-week series, Discovering Who is Nexus Church. Again, as I said in the beginning, this isn't about a building, a location, a set of values, or a set of words, because all of that, as important as it is to being the church, it's not what makes the church the church. It's the people. And today we're going to begin by just answering the question, what is my part? We're going to get very, very basic in this question, and we're going to dive into what is God's ultimate vision for you? What is his vision? Now, it's important to understand what exactly vision means. And so I just 
looked up in the dictionary what the definition of vision is. And it might make it a little more complicated than what it needs to be. But here is good old Webster and Miriam's definition of vision. Number one, it is the mode of seeing or conceiving. And number two, it's the unusual discernment or foresight. Now, that's a little bit simplistic or vague, if you want to put it in definition. But here's what I believe God's vision is for us. It is his ability to create you for a purpose. Now, everybody likes to talk about, like, I have this calling to be this, and I have this calling to be this. I've been praying about what does God want me to do in life. And ultimately, God really, truly has one purpose for us all. And it's spelled out very clear in the Bible. It's very clear. And I know that maybe you're going to start rolling your eyes back and say, come on, are you kidding me? But let me tell you, all those details that people always try to answer and they spend hours praying to God, asking for direction, asking for clarity, could really be summed up if they went to God's word and dug in to what he has for them. If we just focused on what he has, everything else would work out. And so let's take a look at God's ultimate vision for every person. And it is found in Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 through 39. And again, for those who are churchgoers, this is, this is going to be a very familiar passage. But this is Jesus looking out to his people and answering this very question. And he responds with this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the greatest and most important commandment. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. But he has this, this gentleman come up to him and ask, what is the most important law to follow? What is it that ultimately all people should do with their life? What is God, you claim to be God, Jesus, what is God's vision for his people? If you boiled it down to the most simple, basic thing, God, what is it that you want us to do? Love God, love people, love yourself. Seems so basic, doesn't it? Seems so clear, seems so easy. But it is so much easier to say than do, and we get so caught up in the weeds of the details that we miss the ultimate clear picture that Jesus lays out. Now, I love how Robert Hales put it. He said, how we live our religion or our faith is far more important than what we say about our religion or faith. Again, it's going back to the reality that, that you and I are what makes up the church. You and I can know the exact details of everything God wants for us, but it's, it's ultimately when the rubber meets the road. And so Jesus puts out there to his followers, love me, love each other, and love yourself. But what does that look like? And today I want to give you just very 
basic understanding of what it means to love God, love people, and love yourself. And then over the course of the, the remaining weeks, we'll kind of dig into that, in, into how that looks in your personal life as well as the church life. It all works together because, again, remember, we are the church. You are the church. And how the church is ultimately is a result of you and your part in it. There is no church if all there is is an empty building, an empty location. The people are what makes the values and the pillars and the vision reality. So let's begin by examining what ultimately the vision is for God's church, a.k.a. his people. In his very first and foremost, to love God. But what does loving God look like? God has a vision for you to love him. What does that look like? How do we love something that we don't know? Those are the questions. And the Bible is very clear on how we can know God. Listen to this. John 17, 17 states that the word that is the Bible is truth. First Peter one twenty five and Psalm one nineteen eighty nine states that God's word remains forever. So God's word is truth, remains forever. And in Psalm 119.9, it says that the way to keep one's way pure is by guarding it according to the word. So God's word is truth. It remains forever. And by following it, one remains pure. And then Paul comes along in 2 Timothy 3.16 and 17 and says, All scripture is breathed out by God. It's his word to us. It is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So let's step back and let's process this, right? We get truth through God's word. We find it through the Bible. It remains forever. It's everlasting. It never changes. It never wavers. It remains forever truth and the way we can live a pure life is by following it so in order to find purpose in order to find god's vision for us we need to know god it's truly hard (laughs) to love something you don't know so we must spend time in the only place that we have been given for ultimate truth to come from to god himself his word he calls himself the word for a reason it is who he is it comes out of him and through the hands of men throughout generations but it ultimately comes from him so to love god first and foremost we must know him and then we must seek him or pray to him Again, basic stuff, right? To love God is to know him, to to engulf yourself into his word, who he is, and then to experience him through prayer and through worship and through times of solitude and quiet and being in his nature. We need to seek him. First Chronicles 16, 11 and 
Psalm 105.4 says this, Seek his presence continually. Why is it command? It doesn't give any kind of if, but only when, or when it's convenient. It says continually. Seek his presence continually. Now, if you struggle with this like I do, I am such a one-track mind kind of person. Whatever I'm focused on, that's where, where I'm at, what I'm doing. And it's hard for me to stop and to, to pause and to consider God in the middle of me working. But that's what God is calling us to do. We all can grow in this, but some of us more than others. We are to seek him continually. Jeremiah twenty nine thirteen states that when you seek him with all your heart, you will find him. I love that personally. Why is that? Because I'm not like somebody else. There are people who are just naturally gifted at worshiping, right? Again, I'm a one-track mind. I'm there when I'm there. But some people, man, they're just like flowing with Jesus and, and just so connected with him. And it's like, man, I, I can't do that. My life counted on it because I'm different, right? God created me unique. But here's the catch. Jeremiah said it so beautifully, with all your heart. Is that good? Not Sally's heart or Joe's heart or Fred or whoever, your mom or your dad or your brother or sister or best friend or that coworker or whatever. It's like, no, you with all your heart and how God created you. Stop comparing. Stop comparing. Just seek him with all your heart. Continuously work at seeking him. And then Matthew 6.33 says it, that if we seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness, right? His presence, his truth. If we continue to seek him, the things of this world will be taken care of. And so friends, I just wanted to get this clearly to you today. I don't care if you're a pastor of a church or a member of a church or some kind of important person within the church and the church is your life, you center, it, or you center your life around it. It doesn't matter. Who you are, the church, you, whatever level that makes you, casual or tender or full-on pastor, it doesn't matter. You are the church, and ultimately the purpose of the church, the purpose of you is to seek God, to know his presence, to understand who he is in his word go after him that is your ultimate goal in life your ultimate purpose that god created you for is to seek him to know him so the question is are you spending time in his word are you understanding who he is are you seeking him whether you're at work or at church or at school or in nature or playing a sport are you seeking him now this isn't like again like you have to attain this certain level in order to be, you know, what you're supposed to be for God. No, this is, this is a heartfelt desire to go after him because he is so good to us. He gave his life so that we could have life and life in abundance. This isn't a rule or regulation or a slap across the face if you don't do it right. This is God's love for you. So your ultimate purpose is to know him, to seek him. And then from that, to know your gifts, your talents, your passions. You see, Rick Warren, I just, oh, he said this perfectly. He said, 
You were made by God and for God. And until you understand that, your life will never make sense. What does that practically mean? That means that you're to seek God, you're to know God, but you're also to find the gifts and talents that he's given you. The Bible is very clear. And we're going to go through a couple of these passages so you can understand. God created you with spiritual gifts that he's given nobody else. Maybe in your whole church, your whole community. To use for his kingdom, for his church, his body. As Rick said, until you find it and you use it, your life won't make sense. You'll be battling against who God created you to be. Now, this doesn't get into the details, but this gets direction. How you use that? You know, up to you. God will guide you, but ultimately it's your decision. He's not forcing you to get a job at the school or to go to be a manager of some department or, or become a business owner or serve somebody at a nursing home. God has given you skill set to use for his kingdom to further the good news of Jesus. And so let's take a look at the first one found in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And I'm just going to read just a few passages in, it's not going to be long, but this is starting in chapter 12, verse 4. Now there are different gifts, but the same spirit. There are different ministries, but the same Lord, right? It's the same God who gives these different gifts to each person. And there are different activities, but the same God who produces each gift in each person. A manifestation or a gift of the Spirit is given to each person for the common good. Let's read that one right there. For the common good. You have been given a gift for the common good of the kingdom of God. Then he goes into some of the details. To one is given message of wisdom through the Spirit, to another a message of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another a gift of healing, to another performing of miracles, to another a distinguishing between spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another interpretation of tongues. The same Spirit is active in all these, distributing to each person as he wills. And then Romans 12, verses 4 through 8, Paul says it again in this passage. Now, as we have many parts in one body, and all the parts do not have the same function, in the same way we do, we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. According to the grace given to us, we have different gifts. If prophecy, use it according to the proportion in one faith. Service, use it to the service of teaching in teaching, of exhorting in exhortation, giving with generosity, leading with diligence, showing mercy with cheerfulness. Point, and we could go on and on. There's other passages that develop this even more. But I just wanted to make the statement today. God has ultimately called you, A, to know him, to B, to seek him, and to C, know the gifts that he's given you. This doesn't take lots of time to consider. It's just a heart that says, God, I know that you've given me one of these gifts. And you can look in the Bible. Some people say there's 21. Some say there's more or less. The point is, if you've been given a gift to teach, then teach for the kingdom of God. If it's to serve, serve for the kingdom of God. Use your gifts. Which brings us right to Jesus' second purpose or vision for your life. And that is to love 
Now, we are going to go into this way more in depth over the course of our series. It's truly what the church is all about, loving others, right? But today, I just want to really focus in on one aspect of it, and we'll expand on it even more in another message. But that is Jesus' commission to his people. Right before he goes up to be with the Father, he looks down at his followers and he says that we are to make disciples. Now, what is a disciple? Some people say it's a follower. Some people say you get a lot of different explanations. But I think in the modern day translation, disciples' best, best, I guess, similar thing that we look at in today's day is apprenticeship. Now, many people understand basics of apprenticeship. Now, maybe you don't have that in the field that you're in, but apprenticeship typically is a person who follows a professional around and sees how they do things. They typically get some kind of pay to do the work alongside of that person. Uh, and some doctors call it residency. But I like to use the word apprenticeship because it is so exactly like what we see in the Bible. A person who follows the life of another all over the place, sees how they eat, sees how they work, sees how they, they interact with family members. They see everything day in and day out. And Jesus had his disciples or apprentices for three years. So many people, they've forgotten that aspect of life because it's not part of their field. And maybe you think, this doesn't apply to me. How would this work? Well, I think you can start right inside of your house. Most people that are listening today, either they have kids or they will have kids or if their kids are older, they have grandkids or great-grandkids. But maybe you don't. Maybe you don't have any children, but you might have nieces or nephews. I think apprenticeship works so perfectly in the family because they're with you day in, day out for some 18 plus years, seeing everything you do. I love how Moses put it in Deuteronomy 6, 7, and eleven nineteen. He says that we are to teach our children, or our grandchildren, or nieces and nephews, or neighbors, all aspects of life. In Proverbs 22, 6, we read that we are to make a priority to teach our children the truths that will remain when they get old. Here's the point apprenticeship or discipleship, however you want to call it, residency. At the heart of it is loving somebody enough to slow down and take them with you. It's something that in our culture today we really struggle with because we're so busy doing so many things. To slow down and have somebody come alongside us would make us counterproductive. But truly, if we're going to love others, we train others. We teach them, we model for them, and we allow them to make mistakes and, and do all the things that we do with us watching them. Are you doing that? It's a question that I have to ask myself and face the reality that I have areas to grow in, to slow down. Remember that what I pour into my children or to those in my community would truly be the legacy that I leave. 
Everything that you and I do today, it's making a difference. It is, but it won't live past us. What we pour into others, that is legacy. That's passing down so that year after year, generation after generation can continue this life that Jesus has called us to. That, that is the vision God has for you, creating a legacy that continues to expand the kingdom of God. That's what you're called to. And maybe you don't have children, maybe you don't have a family member or somebody to pour into, then I encourage you to take it to the next step and look at your community. Look at the place where God has placed you, whether it's a city, neighborhood, a, a work environment, or a school. God has placed you in a, in a particular place where you can pour out his love to those people. Ravi Zacharias put it this way. He said, become a peace builder, a bridge builder, not a destroyer. And the way you do that is through friendship, relationships, and through authentic character. You see, apprenticeship, at, at the very base of it, begins when you and I just purely share the love of God with them. It doesn't have to be words. You see, the people that you work with or the classmates that you're around or the neighbor that you drive by every day, they see you. They hear you. They hear how you talk. They hear how you respond to an authority figure. They see the signs that you post. They see the things you put on Facebook. They know you. And what you do impacts them. That's apprenticeship at your base. And eventually, over time, when you pour into them and you show them the love of Jesus, eventually they'll grab on and you'll have an opportunity to take them deeper to the next step of how to live for Jesus. What that means. What that looks like. So you're to love God. Love people. And I want to pause right there. Because... God's vision for you is also to love yourself. You see, people so often focus on the love God, love people. Love God, love people. Love God, love people. And it's true. That is God's call for us. That's his vision for us. But they leave out as yourself. Love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor. yourself right as yourself friends and you need to care for yourself now i'm not saying be selfish I'm saying care for yourself that means taking time off from your work you don't have to always be working take a day off and in that time, don't sit there on your phone or zoning out on TV or games or whatever it is that, that just is mindless. No, reflect, process. Think about your life and the actions that you are doing or not doing. And just reflect. I'm not saying you have to change or, or beat yourself up. Just reflect. Where am I at? 
to take time off, get proper rest. Seven hours is unheard of these days. You need it. Rest, exercise. These are all things that are good for you. Eat well, drink water. The stuff that you're like, you're sounding all out like my mom. But in order to love yourself, you need to take care of yourself and do what God created you to do. Be hydrated. Be well rested. Take time off. If God rested, it was for you and for you to be healthy. Rest. Exercise. Created to do good things. Spend time with people that build you up and encourage you. Again, this isn't about being selfish. It's about taking care of yourself so that when God calls you to that neighbor and they need you, you are ready for them. You're not burnt out. You're not exhausted. You're not at your wit's end and saying, I can't do anything more. I'm done. Prioritize. Time with God. Time for yourself. Time for others. That's God's vision for you. He has a vision for you to connect with him, to connect with yourself, and to connect with others. Stop trying to do everything and just focus on what he's called you to. You are the church. This is God's call to the church, to you. And what does that mean for you today? Here's my takeaway for you. Go take a half hour walk right now and reflect. What does it mean for me to love God? What does it mean for me to love others? What does it mean for me to love myself? Reflect. Ask God to speak to you. Call up a good, solid friend that you know that can help you walk through this. Father, I pray for every person listening, that they will do exactly that right now. They will stop what they're doing. I know they're busy, but God, there is nothing more important for them today. You have a purpose for them. You have a vision for their life to love you more, to seek after you, to know who you are. Spend time in your word. Spend time in prayer. Spend time seeking you. Spending time resting, focusing on you. And then turning around and loving others. God, I pray that you would fill them, encourage them, remind them again that you have a purpose for their life. You have a purpose for them. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you again for joining us today. And I encourage you to take that break. Take that 30 minutes right now. Go spend time with God. We'll see you again this evening.